We're back. It's Brigham Young Money. We're here again. And we are introducing yet another movie into the Christopher McDonald's actually incredibly representative Utah canon with our friend and guest host today, Carrie Shockey. Hello. Uh, how are we? Uh, I'm here. I'm plugged in. I'm, uh, I'm outside of the... Uh, the Utah heat dome that I've been told is a thing. Uh, I'm here in uh, I'm I'm here in sunny Massachusetts, where uh, it is not a uh, it it is not a temperature that could stun a small animal. And uh, yeah, no, and, and you know it's been it's been a rough day today. So uh, I've had about a third of a bottle of uh, of High West whiskey, uh, which I'm drinking because of y'all. Uh, nice. So you know, Salud. this is my. This is my uh, my attempt at uh, you know just kind of um, you know easing uh, into the weekend on a Tuesday. Well, you know, just like cultural uh, cultural exchange, really. Um, right. You know, I mean, by cultural exchange, I mean I'm going to drink this whiskey, and at some point, I'm going to take one of your livers. Um, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's you know a little column A, a little column B, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm ready, and uh, I'm ready to talk about a just a masterpiece of uh, mid '90s film. That's right. Just just really like. You know, we we got a, we got a lot of just really marquee names tonight, and uh, I'm really excited to introduce them all. And Listen, just, you know, there's a lot of things in- you can say about this movie, but the best thing you can say is it's 90 minutes. That is yeah, one no, of the best things you can say about it. And uh, and as I expressed last night, um, you know, to Jordan, uh, I will be sending the uh, the Brigham Young Money crew uh, an invoice for my time. Um, <laughs> For for all ninety minutes, uh, I do bill out to the uh, uh, the tenth of the billable hour. So I mean, I, I think it'll be really reasonable for y'all. And that I've will, got, of course, I've be got paid twenty bucks, uh, man. As soon as we're done here, I mean, I'll take twenty bucks. Twenty, I mean, 20 bucks. Yeah, that's, that's, so you could DM me, uh, DM me your Venmo. <laughs> yep, that's right. Today we're talking about the movie Celtic Pride, and of course, we had to bring. Our boy Shocks in here as our resident uh, Boston boy, and but before that, we have to let Greg clear the air a little bit. He's got something he needs to get off his chest. He's got some beef with the Lion Fake News Media, and Greg, I'd like to turn the time over to you to um, air your grievances. Yeah, the, yeah, the the chair recognizes Greg. May it I does. please approach the bench? You may, Your Honor. You may. Um. First the, off, the first bench, and foremost, the bench, like we- <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> okay, okay, Greg, go. Uh, first and foremost, Foster McGregor would like to apologize to absolutely no one. Okay, got, glad and, we got that out of the way. And I mean that it is not my fault that your favorite basketball player is a dog shit human being who sucks. It is Fair not enough. my it is not my responsibility to coddle you. I am simply a messenger. <laughs> and I Greg, did not make the choice. A background about what you're talking about. <laughs> For those who don't know what you're talking about, can you tell us what happened? This is called foreshadowing. Also, I think we're hey, on Greg. a little delay and it's I'm ha- it's really fucking me up. Anyway, oh. uh is it <laughs> Yeah, the delay only started once we started recording. Interestingly, yeah, it's super weird. It's throwing me off. Let me pause it and then start it. Hold on. Fuck it, Uh, I'll do it live. We'll do it. Well, yes, we will. All right, Greg. So continue. At any rate, 
If you did not catch the trending topics on Twitter or the breaking news, (laughs) John Stockton is an anti-vaxxer QAnon freak. And he appeared in this weird fucking documentary that we stumbled upon months ago. And I simply tweeted out that him being a right-wing QAnon anti-vax freak is kind of a bummer because, you know, I liked him as a player. Yeah, and why did what brought it back to your consciousness? Because again, you we talked about this months ago, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you just decided to throw that back out into the. Uh, I think I think it was line. Mike in our Slack channel was talking about like brought it back up, and so it was just top of mind. So I thought I'd just you know throw it on the uh, the old Twitter and kind of just be done with it. And you know, most of the time, people just ignore me. I didn't think it was going to be anything, and then it like really blew up and. Fucking Ben Collins from NBC News, a man with zero honor, stole the story and blew it up and just contributed (laughs) to the detriment of the fake news media. And Ben, I know you're not listening, but if you're listening, fucking box me. I mean, I I think really what we're saying here is uh, Ben Collins, if you're listening, uh, I think we're we're going to need to see a duel on the field of honor. Um, I mean, personally, I would recommend uh, hot air balloons and blunderbusses. Um, but, but really, you know, I mean, you know, as as men of honor, uh, as everyone who is on this podcast, uh, you know, as people of honor, um, you know, I, I think that we can all agree that, you know, you're you're entitled to choose the weapons you're most comfortable with. Uh, but frankly, if it's if it's anything less than either hot air balloons or blunderbusses or boxing gloves, um, <laughs> that you no, are that you, that you are indeed just like a, I mean, just a hack and a fraud. Um, I'm and you know, I'm going out know. on this podcast right now, and I'm saying, get the tables. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think the funny thing about like the whole John Stockton saga was like how many people were like, oh, somebody they're trying to cancel John Stockton now. Like, well, first of all, no one's canceling John Stockton. If you only possess like a flip phone, you cannot be canceled because like he just lives in a compound in like Spokane. Like, come on. <laughs> no one's canceling he him. Lives, uncancelable. He lives in Cornelia, Idaho. He does. He lives in Coeur d'Alene, which is like a town that is ninety five percent white and used to be a fucking Nazi compound. Yeah, and the rich people took over, I but mean, you know they're still racist, so it doesn't I matter mean, too shit, much. You just said Idaho twice there. That's just, <laughs> sir. As a native of the state of Idaho, you should watch your tone. He gets to. Actually, no, you're right. Just keep going. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so actually, so I, so it's funny because I so my uh, my first uh, we're gonna go briefly into mill Twitter here. So my first XPO was actually uh, is is from Idaho, and uh, I saw a picture. Do you see like the fucking potato Airbnb that was like floating around the internet? No. Uh, so there's a, there's apparently like a potato fucking Airbnb that you can rent. That's just like a giant fucking baked potato that you can go like you know, living for a nominal fee. So I sent that to him and, uh, you know, complimented him on how well his family estate was looking. Uh, Cause I just assume that that's what everyone in Idaho lives in. Um, Actually, I lived I, in I, a shoe. Oh, that, <laughs> the, oh, the, oh, the two genders. There that's we right. are. Right. It's the yeah. duality of man. It's in yeah. Idaho and it's either a potato or a shoe that you're living in. Have you been to Idaho, Carrie? Did you drive through there on your, 
at yeah, one point. Yeah, no, I've I've driven through Idaho once, and actually it was nice. I don't I know. I like Idaho. It's a good it trip. Was, I mean, Boise is a good town, but anything is. outside of there, you're kind of just like rolling the dice. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, yeah. I, I I emphasis on drove through. Like it was, you know, I mean, like. Like, you know, got like, I mean, also too, like my, uh, my father, like, you know, spent some time as like a lineman out in like Grand County, Washington. So like I'm familiar with, you know, the kind of, uh, the, the, the long plains of like going, you know, east of the mountains, but where there is nothing for miles. Yeah. Eastern Oregon into Idaho. Not the best, not the best place. (laughs) Well, and then, yeah, no, it's, it's, I, my best memory and thinking actually of like Montana was, uh, Pulling alongside some dude in like an old fifties like fucking uh like Bel Air with a big V eight in it and like just pulling alongside of him to like take a look at it while I was like in my focus and he just like fucking took off. Like, you know, just like wasn't it like he would just like look there and he just like fucking put the pedal down because he thought I was trying to race him and he just like was at like hundred and fifty just real quick. It's like, all right, well, that's fun. Can you guys hear that? Yeah, what sounds like a plane breaking down? That's the other half of the black box that you were on earlier. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, that's it sounds really, like the it sounds like the last uh, twenty minutes of Goodfellas where something's going on for helicopters. <laughs> yeah, something's going on outside. Anyway, um, that's probably fine to ignore. Nothing to worry about there. Um, yeah, there's like a, there's a considerable amount of noise out there. Okay, so anyway, we watched we watched Celtic Pride. This the, is a movie that was the, uh, released the 19, in the, the 1996 classic. It is a 1996 yeah. classic. It's probably the, the most 1996 type movie we could have watched. I would assume. <laughs> yeah, this the is a greatest movie. partnership between Massachusetts and Utah until Mitt Romney. Yes, it's <laughs> the, and yeah. equally as cursed. The yeah, the three the three kings, the three kingdoms is this podcast when we do an episodes with Carrie. The middle kingdom is Celtic pride. And then the third, the lowest kingdom is Mitt Romney. <laughs> and this movie was written, God bless him, by Judd Apatow. He did the screenplay and, <laughs> and uh, wrote the story. And we never and heard from him again. We never, he never made another movie <laughs> or anything else, unfortunately, after this. But this movie, nope. it, it, it stars Damon Wayans as uh, um, Lewis Scott. Scott. Yes, as the Utah Jazz's Lewis Scott. And I will mention that the Utah Jazz are considerably uh, less white than the Celtics in this movie. Um, We've got Daniel Stern as Mike O'Hara and Dan Aykroyd as Jimmy Flaherty. Those are kind of like our... uh, the main, the main cast and crew of this. Yeah, uh, this you, you've got the film. lesser partners of both the Wet Bandits and the Blues Brothers. <laughs> Pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so I, I as a as a table setting thing, I want to ask all three of you. Sure. When you watch this movie, do you think it was actually written for the fucking Jazz and the Celtics? Like, the I think it was movie- written for the Celtics. But yeah. also, I yeah. think they looked for the funniest team possible to be the opposition, and they're like Utah Jazz. Boom, that's perfect. All right, uh, I'll, I'll I'll hear dissenting opinions because I have a theory. I I am really curious about it being the Jazz. I think it's really i I can I can see it being a Celtics thing. 
because there's i mean it's just it's got like a boston it's got a very boston feel to the entire movie in my opinion it's it's a stereotypical boston guy type movie from what i can see it's got the divorced dad energy it's got like the relationships with the the irish dudes have with cops it's got it's got a lot of it's got a lot of key pieces that people stereotypically think of when they think of boston greg what about you I think they were trying to capture a very white audience. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. well, what's your theory? My, my theory is it was originally a, uh, a Celtics Lakers movie, but they couldn't afford the licensing for the Lakers. That that like, and I say that because a couple things. Because like, of course, like the big rivalry in you know the the eighties was of course like the Celtics and the Lakers, and you know they essentially like looked around the NBA figured out the cheapest team that had also had purple jerseys and like fucking went with it. And like, that's kind of like, that's, that's like my theory as to like how the movie was written versus how it was actually like ended up being like put in a, like, I don't, I don't have any fucking proof of that whatsoever. And I looked around a little bit just to like, try to figure it out. And I even looked at uh, like Judd Apatow and like a few of the other people, principals in the movie are all from New York. So I wasn't sure like at first I was like, Oh, maybe it was like going to be like a Knicks thing. But like, I feel like there's just something about it that just feels weirdly phoned in and like, you know, and like why the fucking jazz at all teams. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and like it just like that was the only thing I could come up with is it was originally a Lakers movie, but they couldn't afford to like license Lakers and Celtics. And because the Celtics were crucial to the plot, they they like went with the Celtics and then picked, you know, the purple jersey team. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they're playing it anywhere else other than Boston Garden anyway. So there's no like opposing <laughs> arena or anything like that. So yeah. you could literally put any Western Conference team in there too. You can put yeah. the Spurs in there. You can put, I don't know, the Suns in there. You can put the Nuggets in there. Like it would not like change the plot at all. Yeah, and I just feel like they just went for the value option. They were like, you know, particularly in like 1996, they were like, you know, all right, uh, where it, what, what's the cheapest licensing we can get? And it was the Utah Jazz. Yeah. 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 It's, and also, um, kind of, it's, yeah, I, I, I was thinking it's, it's, it has to be something like that. And like the Jazz didn't have, I don't, like as a kid, never heard of any sort of, even tiny rivalry with the Celtics. Like that's, it's, couldn't, you probably couldn't have picked a more random 90s team. To, I mean, obviously the Jazz were good in the '90s, but it's like it, the Celtics weren't at that level. It, yeah, so it, yeah, it's like, very odd. Well, that's the other thing too is like the Celtics weren't like I'm not a huge basketball person, but I, even I know that the Celtics weren't good through the '90s. Yeah, and which so they like, say in the movie, like yeah, um, and so, and so when it's they weird. Larry they, Bird. <laughs> yeah, and so it's weird that they play like the kind of like the like this is a baseball movie. They play like the New York Yankees role. Yeah. And so it's weird yeah. because they like, you know, you figure it'd be like the Bulls or, you know, you, you figure it'd be a more iconic team of the era. And instead, it's just like, you know, kind of like a has-been Celtics versus like, you know, kind of like a neophyte like jazz team. And it did it, kind of seem like they were trying to make the uh, Lewis Scott character kind of like a Michael Jordan stand in, even though he was mm-hmm. he played in the Western Conference. Because like the way that they talk about him is a pretty similar thing to how the ball hog type talk that there was always about like yeah. Michael Jordan. I also think it's important to note that the director, Tom uh, DeSercio, 
He accepted being the director for this movie only after he was fired from Ace Ventura when Nature Calls or in, uh, early 1995. <laughs> so this was we got we got him. Uh, <laughs> we got we got fired from Ace Ventura too. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, a movie like he managed to fuck up the scene where like Ace Ventura like you know climbs out of the rhino's asshole. So like you know that was that was apparently just like a little too like you know highbrow for like what he was bringing. No, yeah. that, that's, that's exactly what it is, too. It's pretty much just like, listen, Tom, we're just not feeling it when Jim Carrey's trying to talk out of his ass. Like, can you please just like try and see if you can get more motivation out of him or else we're just going to have to move on with someone else? <laughs> OK, so let's let's go through this movie a bit. And um uh, Greg's still with us, just temporarily deactivating his video and to see if his internet will uh, be more agreeable. Greg, can you still hear us, my friends? This is much more agreeable. Believe- <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad. I'm He's glad. making a sandwich now or something. Who knows? That's right. So, watching right. the game. Leave I me mentioned alone. that this movie's got. Yeah, <laughs> the game's on. He's he's tubing everywhere right now. It's fine. He, though. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, as mentioned, one of our main characters, uh, played of course by Daniel Stern, Mike O'Hara, Coach O'Hara, as I might affectionately call him. The reason why I'm going to call him that is because the first thing we see him in the movie is that he's throwing down some some coaching. Uh, some some coach talk. He's yelling at his team, and then we see who his team is, and we then it's a bunch of children, and he's yelling at his gym class that he teaches. He's the PE teacher at what appears to be an elementary school, and you know he's he wants them to all play basketball. They do not. They want to jump on some trampolines that are just in the gym. I didn't have those in my school, but it's fine. And. A little boy comes up to Coach O'Hara and he says, he asks him if he's all right. He says that Coach is looking a little worried. And Coach says, well, tonight the Celtics are playing an important game. And then the little boy says, well, you know, as you always say, Coach, the most important thing is that they try their hardest and that they have fun. And he says, no, the most important thing is that they win. He says that they aren't talking about kickball where there's nothing at stake. This is the goddamn NBA, and they have to win. And the Boston Garden is being torn down at the end of the season, and he will not let them lose, and they won't lose because he will not let them lose. And this actually is sort of true. The it it does line up with uh, the Boston Garden being torn down because I believe it really was being torn down, like at the end of the season of which they were filming this. The, um, well, kind of, sort of. How does that uh, so work? They they stopped playing games there around 96 it didn't get torn down for another oh, okay. couple of years got it because what because what happened is they built the uh what is now um the you know td you know td garden uh, <laughs> yeah. you know which is you know <laughs> cool. and, yeah what it um and so they they built that first what was you know what if you're a real fucking town you still call the fleet center um that's right and uh and so they built that first then the garden still stayed up for a number of years. And then I think in 98 is when they finally tore the garden down. Cause I remember it was like on like fucking like WGBH and shit. Like, yeah, they were yeah, just yeah. like you know, showing them like, you know, like the last, like, you know, ceremony of the fucking garden. God rest so, its soul. You just have a bunch of people for, who look like they're in house of pain, just 
holding a mural to it as after it's torn down. I mean, yeah. you know, like the the real mark of like, you know, uh, is all the people who like ended up with like a fucking seat or like a piece of it somewhere that's like in their fucking house somewhere. <laughs> with just, a, just, with just a sad Larry Bird jersey draped over it at all times. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, John well. Havlicek sweated on this seat. <laughs> just, you know, like 2008 just like carved the Bowie knife like into the fucking side of the motherfucker. Like, oh you know. my God. Yeah. See, see the, here, it, this is where yeah. our grandfather carved into the seat, don't fuck with Bob koozie <laughs> <laughs> so we obviously we get we get introduction into who uh into who mike o'hara is and then immediately his wife comes to the gym class as well and she walks in carrying some papers and he immediately meets with her and he apologizes and he says i'm sorry i've been such a jerk lately it's the middle of the nba finals like what do you want from me and she says she can't stand to see him in a good mood when they win, Celtics, and a bad mood when they lose. And she says that she says the line, I won't let the Celtics run my life. And then he says, How do you think I feel? <laughs> Which is really funny. See, um, that's a so solid was, line right there, too. I was gonna I say, as uh, as solid basketball fans, did that did that strike home for any of you? Uh, yeah, it's you know. like and we are recording this at a very uh, very opportune moment because seeing as the Jazz at the the exit of the Jazz of from the playoffs this last week, a um, monumental collapse. Uh, judging by just the, dog shit. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah, and and I will say I, I need this on the record that while Jordan Jordan has a certain attitude about the Jazz that appears to demonstrate some sort of aloofness. We were at a soccer game together on Friday nights in which he had the jazz game going on his phone and was keeping us in the loop. So Jordan's a diehard as much as he may fool you. What, was, he, was he watching it on a small antenna TV? Uh, <laughs> like the fans? Uh, yep. <laughs> Those things are so cool. Where Yeah, he's just got Bill Walton and uh, Marv Albert on the, on, on, the, on the radio TV. It also, also just uh, fucking rules that, like, Dan Aykroyd was sitting on like the sixth row and was still doing that and still watching hey, hey, those his, like those seat licenses back in the day were, were solid as gold, man. They really were. So she, she, his wife brings in the divorce papers and she says, the only reason I haven't signed these, I've had these, I've had the, you know, I've had these written up. I had these written up during the last time the Celtics were in the finals. Um, and the reason I haven't signed them is because I feel bad for you. And she she gets she cuts to the core and says, you know, this obsession that you have is is because, you, you know, your dream died when when you didn't become a pro yourself. And she calls him hopeless. And he says, I know I'm hopeless because my dream is dead. My dream is dead. Thank you for the update, honey. And I love the Celtics and I'm not ashamed of it, which, again, is very uh, emblematic of a lot of attitudes I saw um about the jazz recently you know you know what kyle that was the most offensive part of the movie (laughs) dude i'm just i can just imagine like a whole like social justice 
movement if like this movie came out now of all of these just like angry sports dads getting mad at the the representation of the of the man in this movie it's very offensive to a lot of people and i thought honestly i thought this movie started out kind of strong because i liked that whole scene i thought it was pretty good um, yeah it goes downhill fast though it's it's not great it's not great so the I'm next scene happy to get continue. some representation Yes, this this is a this is a this is for <laughs> Greg's everywhere. So we meet the villain of the movie, which is of course is Lewis Scott, the Michael Jordan esque player who plays for the Utah Jazz, and we meet him because he's doing a Nike commercial where he's explicitly oh, saying. The, those so fucking good. Nike, those fucking fake Nike ads were so like evocative of a very fucking specific period of sports. Yes, it was a dude. ripoff. Yes. It was a ripoff of the Charles Barkley. I'm not a role model yeah, the, ad. Exactly. Yeah. Like it was like yeah. that. That Charles Barkley. I'm not a role model one was like parodied for like a decade afterwards. Yep. Like I think yeah. there was a one in Space Jam even. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yep. No, there, there was. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a direct parody of that where he says, I'm not. I'm not a hero. And then at the end of the commercial, right before it says, you know, Nike, whatever, he says, I don't want to raise your kids. I don't even like kids. (laughs) I am not a hero. A hero fights against injustice. A hero sacrifices for the good of man. He unites, uplifts, and inspires. I'm not a hero. I don't want to raise your kids. I don't even like kids. <laughs> and, and Honestly, we see, same. Yeah, and we see yeah, that it's yeah. uh, Dan Aykroyd um, watching this TV. Um, and then he's he's watching the Bruins game. That was a commercial during the Bruins game. And we learned that Dan Aykroyd, he looks like he's in this really fancy house, but it turns out he's just a plumber and he's working in this fancy house. Well, and he's like wearing like a fucking four point harness, like as a yeah. plumber for some reason. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure, like, you know, like where he's going to be, you know, like doing using a fucking climbing harness while working on someone's fucking sewage line. But I mean, he's literally working on a toilet, is, is what he just is bought like the blue collar starter pack and just like decided to fucking run with it. Yeah, the costing department had a had a bit of a rough one on this one, but hey, <laughs> it's all right. Um, so yeah, we and then uh, we see we see this interaction that that Coach O'Hara has with his his dear son. He says he's telling his son, and he says, you know, son, because his son's asking what's going on because you know. He's uh, everyone's upset in his life. And he says to his son, there was a time in this country where sports, they were revered. But now everyone's values are just out of whack. Oh, by the way, your mom and I are getting divorced. See you later. I got to go to the Celtics game. Which like this entire monologue could be like filmed from an iPhone in the front of a F-150. And it would just be like absolutely (laughs) spot on for today. You just have to post the YouTube. I know. America hasn't been the same since Carl Yastrzemski retired. (laughs) I mean, I mean, but where's the lie, though? Where's the lie? I know it's 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 everyone who wants Friday Night Lights to be the like the series their town, and it's uh, <laughs> it's it's tough. Everyone's just a buddy Garrity until uh, you know until they're not. And 
Yeah. So then, uh, you know, Coach Coach O'Hara, Mike, he, he and Dan Aykroyd. What the hell is his character's name? I just, Dan Aykroyd. Is that like Timmy or J- Johnny or something like I don't, that? They, they all have fucking like very like they just like took a bunch of fucking Irish names out of. Oh a, yeah, you know, Jimmy Flaherty. We got Michael yeah, like, O'Hara and Jimmy Flaherty. We got like Tommy and Jimmy, and, and like, then you know, the, whatever, the like, uh, cop you know. is. Yeah, we got Tommy O'Hara. Uh, Michael Harris, and then we, the cop is Kevin O'Grady. So yeah, um, and like I, I know, yeah, I know a Tommy, I know a Kevin. Yeah, I mean, like all these, you know, I mean, it's just you know, they they nailed it with the Boston names. Yeah, yeah. if you told me these three names right after I saw this movie, like immediately after, I was like, oh yeah, those guys are awesome, and like the Dropkick Murphys. The, yep, because I would have no <laughs> idea who they were. It's like I'm just taking us like Irish punk. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, Sounds like you know, right. like I, the the one thing I do appreciate is that no one in this movie like actually really tries a Boston accent. Like <laughs> they, they just no, kind of like, like, like there's like like a half a half a second like at the very beginning where like uh uh um there's like you know I don't know like Ackroyd tries it a little bit and like there's just like a very brief fleeting attempt and then like no one else tries for the end of the like the one yep. is uh the one the the cop. The guy who plays like you know Kevin yep. or whatever the fuck, he actually is from the city. <laughs> Kevin so O'Grady. Yeah, so he's actually from here. Paul so like, Gilfoyle. So yep. you, get, you get like a look, but I mean he's also Italian, so I mean it's kind of trendy. <laughs> yeah, like born in '49 in Boston, so he's a hometown boy. He's it's all good. Uh, honestly, so, the, the thing is, I think like Aykroyd tried to start an Irish accent, and I think the director just shut that shit down immediately. Yeah, it's like yeah. Well, you, you well can't there's like the this. scene. He's like outside of his plumbing truck and he's like singing some fucking shanty to himself. And it's like just absolutely fucking embarrassing. It's like it's a tough scene. Like, you know, he sounds like the fucking leprechaun from the fucking Lucky Charms commercials. Like, it's just it's it's just the worst possible fucking shit. I think any studio that works with Dan Aykroyd gets production notes like do not let him get away with anything or he will take you a mile. Yeah. And it just comes with like a tape of nothing but trouble. Well, no, it comes with a tape of, uh, you know, Blues Brothers 2000. And it just says, like, you know, like, just don't ever let him do this shit again. And the original <laughs> script for Bo- Ghostbusters, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, the, uh, like- the most disappointing thing about this, though, is that we know that Matt Damon didn't watch this movie before starring in The Departed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, I mean, the fall funny thing, I mean, this whole movie is like essentially just like it's like, you know, the departed cross with like Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like that's, <laughs> with like with like a with like a tinge of like goodwill hunting. Like that's kind of like the whole that, you know, like, I mean, it's like the characters like goodwill hunting characters, but like the storyline is Happy Gilmore. And then like but like the you know the aesthetic is vaguely like the departed and like that's just kind of like what we get for this yeah this is the proto boston movie yeah yeah and the, the, it, it it shows like the turn because before this it was more like uh like the original thomas crown affair was filmed in boston uh and then there was uh the friends of eddie Coyle, which is like a real like actual kind of like fairly dark fucking gangster movie and uh with like robert mitchum and shit and then uh and then you started to get like this cartoonish shit and i feel like this is the first one that you really got that was like this sort of like kind of weird take yeah this is i, I don't know this 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 has gangster elements and we'll get into it so don't even worry 
You see that gun that Ackroyd's brandishing here in a little bit? Yeah, that's how I describe that gun, gangster. <laughs> you know, that's, uh... So, um, yeah, so they're at the bar, and uh, this is when we see our, our, our two our two guys together. And, um, you know, they're talking about how uh, Mike and, and Carol have split up again. And, and Dan Ackroyd says, wait, well, the last time you guys had a major breakup, the Celtics won the championship. And he's like, of course, like that's of course, like that's all that's been on my mind. So um, he's on board with the breakup because he thinks it's good luck. Um, you know, and their cop friend shows up as well. He's inter- he's inter- uh, he's put throughout the movie just in a variety of ways. But we also see on the TV that, you know, um, Lewis Scott has been fined $10,000 for m- missing practice and that he's just a major a-hole and uh, hates his team and that type of thing. Which, which also this movie is rated R. They couldn't get it like an asshole in there, but they had to go with a-hole. It, I think this is like... Wait, it was rated R? Was it's it really? PG-13. I can't even... Oh, was it PG-13? I thought it was R. You still I can't mean, get away with that. asshole, though? No, you, you, they could have got away with that. Yeah, I was confused. They said a-hole, and I thought it was really funny. Um, you yeah, know, so... you know, real a-hole. You know, he's a... <laughs> He's a real, you know, like uh, like that gosh thing. darn jerk. Yeah, <laughs> that thing all those Boston guys always say. This, so, this is th- where they were targeting the Utah audience. This is where, and <laughs> it continues. So th- they make it's it, going to open up, man. Yeah. So, so we uh, after they were done pre gaming at the bar, they finally make it to to Mecca. They they make it to the Boston Garden, and. Um, they show up in their gear. They're doing all of their rituals. They're talking to all their people. And it's time to get into the seats and it's time to lay down some heckles. And so, Carrie, I know you have a theory that this wasn't, you know, uh, originally supposed to be Utah, potentially. And I hear that, but I'd like to raise you these incredible insults that they that were hurled upon the jazz <laughs> from these boys. And I want and I don't I don't know. They clearly these were so far thought out that like it couldn't have been for any other team. We got Boo those jazz. Go home, jazz. It's over. Jazz music sucks. Go back to Utah and get yourself a few more wives. That's a good one. Mm. They, they might Go. have only picked the jazz for that one polygamous joke. Like, that's right. That's yeah. and then, well, the next one, you know, was a pretty good one, too. Go join the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. That was a good one. This That's was like someone like typed in like into what? Yahoo in 1995. Like, <laughs> what's the about Utah? Utah? They yeah. like they you know they they logged into like you know like AOL you know they got like a thousand hour free CD and like this is what they came up with. Yeah. I mean like also too I mean like part of it like they're like yeah go Bean Town you know one thing that no one from Massachusetts will ever call Boston is fucking Bean Town like that's like such a weird fucking thing that like. You know, that's like an immediate marker of just like, oh, you've never actually spent any fucking time here, you fucking asshole. Like, that's what yeah. someone from like New York would think that someone from Boston would say. Yeah, Ackroyd yeah. literally rolls out a "You are in Bean Town now, baby." Yeah, and it's line. like, it's like, yeah, you know how I know you're fucking Canadian? That, <laughs> yeah. that right there, motherfucker. Like, what's, what sort of fucking weird shit is that? Like, and then like kind of a weird one. Um, that that is, I think, directed at the coach, which uh, of course is played by Christopher McDonald, um, the Utah Jazz coach. Also, because, because seen of course in, he was, of course yeah. he was in SLC Punk as uh, as the dad. Of course, this is Shooter McGavin, probably one of the things he's best known for. Um, he could be the same person. Like, there's no he, doubt. He like, plays. yeah, it says he's a lawyer in like SLC Punk, but guess what? Quinn Snyder also graduated from Duke Law. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is SLC Punk canon. Um, so 
Yeah, he throws down. I can't remember which one if it's Ackroyd or the other dude. He says, I hear Minute Bowl is banging your mom. And I was like, huh. <laughs> okay. Minute Bowl is very into 70 year old women. <laughs> White women is, who live in Utah. Why did he pick Minute Bowl? I, I was just is like. All joke? Is it a cuck joke? Is, is, it a, is it like a black dude thing or is it like a. Well, they couldn't, they, they couldn't actually have these two guys saying slurs from the stands yeah, of the garden. I, so I was like, this, is like what huh. they, this is what they did instead. Yeah. And yeah I was about pick, to say like – I was about to they, think like some of those taunts too. Like why didn't anyone say they called the jazz racist or anything? But it was like, oh, wait. It's Boston. Never mind. You kind of lose the moral high ground there. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's funny though because like out of all the teams that like – they portray as being wicked white from Boston. The Celtics are probably the like the worst one for that because they were the yeah. one of the ones to like you know, like actually like have you know marquee black players like very like early on and like you know we're not as racist as like some of the other fucking sports teams I could mention you know like the fucking Red Sox yeah yeah you yeah. know and like the yeah. reason why like Yaki Way is getting fucking renamed as it should yeah but like you know. Just because it was the last team in Major League Baseball to integrate doesn't mean that we can't (laughs) have old lady Yaki's name on the sign. Yeah, like it's just like, you know, some fucking shit. But it's just like that was it was also weird to me in general that they just like even for the jazz. I don't know if you noticed, but they had like essentially one other like non-white player for the jazz. And it was essentially like I don't know if they thought that white audiences going to see this movie were going to be confused if there was like yeah there were only two white dudes on the jazz i think two two uh, white players i thought there were more like there were more than that um i don't i, I yeah. the, like in my i, I thought i, I no, no, you, you had the uh adam keith stereotype wearing the mask because his nose is made of glass yeah and then you had the jazz staple uh, the eastern european uh <laughs> that's shooter right. off Cro- the bench oh uh, please he was uh he was croat Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, yeah. I, Please I, do I, not make fun of my family. Yeah. Yeah, in the same staple of like Gordon Girachek or yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kirilenko or Fisinko yeah, yeah, yeah. or the rest Bogdan, of Bogdan Bogdanovich. He lit, yeah. Um, whatever this dude's name was, I can't remember. He he walked so Fasenko could run for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, think it, um, I think his name was like Latch or because like Lurch? I, Lurch? I, th- Lurch. I don't think it was supposed to be Lurch, but Lurch. like I don't Lurch. think. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, Lurch. Like I watched the, the captions. Family character. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the game starts. We got Marv Albert, Bill Walton on the call, which is uh, just delightful. Also, um, like I want to also just like throw that one out there because also uh, talk about things that didn't age well immediately was having Marv Albert in this fucking movie. I think this I, is post scandal, Marv Albert too. No, this is pre. This is is it really? This is right before he got fucking like you know he got sued and like pre hooker biting. Yeah, this is like uh, maybe like the same season or the season before. Jeez, that was a time. Yeah, you're right. It was ninety seven. Yeah, so this is like he this came out and then immediately got dated because he got thrown the fuck out of ever broadcasting again. Uh, He's still broadcasting for TNT. Oh, really? Yeah, he's um, retiring he's this year. Of, yeah, he. When did he come back? Um, he came back like two thousand. He wasn't. Gone. He was doing two thousand two. He's doing uh, Monday Night Football. Yeah, he wasn't gone that long. He was back Only five fast. years. It looks like. 
Well, because I think it was like he was doing Monday Night Football, and then I think that was the period where they had like, wasn't that right after that? Is when they tried out Dennis Dennis Miller, Dennis Miller, and oh, he, was, he was doing Monday what Night a Nightmare. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dennis Miller yeah. was a treat as a Monday. I night. forgot that that. So yeah, I was thinking this. That was right before. Wow. Okay. Anyway, yeah. so we got we got those two guys. Um, so we really get the dynamic of the of the Utah Jazz team in this game. So uh, basically, Lewis Scott just shoots everything, is constantly demanding the ball, um, being won't pass to his teammates, just doing everything on his own. Um, and we see the fans in the in the stands. We get our, our boys Mike and Timmy or Jimmy Dan Aykroyd, whatever. They're um, they're really concerned about the uh, uh, like the sports fan um, hyper hyper superstitions that they have, where they all have to sit on a certain side, where they all have to be in a certain seat depending on the game. They have to be doing all, you know all these all these different things, and you know at halftime. Celtics are winning and things are going really well. They're all chanting Utah sucks, which is really funny. And then one of their old friends, Chris McCarthy, shows up to this game at, at halftime, paid three hundred dollars for these great tickets, shows up at halftime, and uh, he said, and they say, "Wow, I haven't seen you since the, uh, the World Series where um, that mishap happened or whatever. Yeah. And they lost the World Series, the one where the ball goes through Buckner's legs and the Mets win. Oh, Buckner, yeah, yeah that's let's right. go Mets." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, yeah, game six. Yeah, and uh, and then and then uh, you know, um, Mike is like starting to get really stressed that Chris McCarthy's here, and all of a sudden things start going really poorly for the Celtics, and uh, our, our boy Lewis Scott, hometown hometown hero of the Utah Jazz, just starts going nuclear and uh, essentially just wins the entire game for the Jazz. He dunks, and while he's hanging on the rim, he says, "Kiss my ass, Boston." <laughs> It's just really funny. Like the way all the basketball scenes are filmed is really funny. It's just like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's just, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's really funny. It's very nineties. Well, it's also like all of it too is like, you know, once again, that they, you know, they didn't necessarily like write the actual teams into any of the script. And so it was like, oh yeah. And here's where, uh, I don't know. Damon Wayne says to say something shitty about the opposing team, uh, you know, kiss my ass blank. And it's like, oh well, I guess uh, we got the we got the Celtics naming rights, so uh, I don't know. Kiss my ass, Boston. All right, there we go. <laughs> Can I just say something? It was a criminal uh, underutilization of Daryl Hammond there. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't Agreed. like as far as like you know like SNL like you know kind of long running cast members of that time. He was one of the better ones. Yeah, he was like, I mean, he's a pretty good comedic actor or anything like that too. But also like, you just have him like, I bought a ticket for $300 and then, Hey guys. And then that was it. And it was like, yeah, that's how you use Daryl Hammond. All right. Yeah. That was, that, that was an odd choice. There was a, yeah, bunch of, bunch of strange choices in, in this movie. But anyway, so the jazz win, it's going to go to game seven. Um, you know, it's going to be in Boston again. I think that's how they did the series back then. But anyway, so the boys are really sad, obviously, but they later this night, they get a call from their their two friends who are just bartenders at some random bar and the Roxy, which is now the called the Royale. Okay, the Roxy slash the Royale, <laughs> and uh, I'm assuming this is a famous Boston bar. I, no, I it's it's not. But this is uh, 
every so often there's like a punk show or something that happens there, but they also do a dance night late at night. Oh, so every time every time I've ever gone there, uh, the uh, the punk show has to end by ten thirty, so they can get all of us like poor PBR drinking fucks out by like eleven <laughs> o'clock, so they can so get everyone. So it's dance party night. You know, yeah, you so they can get. You could have called that club anything because you might as well just hang a big sign that says like we couldn't get the rights to the combat zone. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean it's it's actually it's in the combat zone. Well, oh, interesting. Too. Yeah, so well, and that uh, that's one of my idiosyncratic things that I fucking hate about most Boston movies. So like these dudes, if you look at later on in the movie when during the chase scene that they have, they live in Eastie. And you can tell because there's like a couple scenes where you can see like uh, um, it's like the 40 steps or whatever the fuck like, you know, that they're like running down or whatever. Uh, and the first bar that they go to is Doyle's and JP, which is like entirely across the city. And then they like go to this fucking bar in the south end. And it's like, which is also nowhere near Easty and then somehow walk home from there. So, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that like, you know deeply towny bullshit that like pisses me off and probably yeah. doesn't ruin the movie for literally anyone else but <laughs> i just have to be a, i just have to be a pedantic no, yeah that, that and, like, what you, you just know, said is exactly it. why i yeah. hate this movie i mean it's so. the same reason with like with like slc punk where you see like where where they're living it was like yeah, yeah, son yeah. of a bitch that probably costs like three thousand a month now <laughs> yeah <Yep. laughs> brutal um so these bartenders call our boys and they say, hey, you know who's at the bar dancing right now? It's Lewis Scott. And they're like, wait, we got to get down there. And the plan is once they get there, Dan Aykroyd just wants to look him into the eyes. That's it. So that's exactly what happens. So he, he walks up to uh, Lewis Scott in the middle of the dance floor, pops up, and he just stares at him. And they look at each other in the face and then he leaves. And then he says, I just looked into the face of the devil and I feel stronger for it. It should be noted that Dan Aykroyd's wearing like a full leisure suit in this, like a <laughs> yeah. forest green leisure suit. Yeah, it's it's pretty nice. So, I mean, I, I also own one, so I'm not really one to. Yeah, know, not absolutely. We all do. Um, and they say so they're thinking they're like well, maybe we should try to get this guy a little drunk i mean we've got a game this weekend uh on sunday let's let's get him a little messed up and see if we can you know change the outcome of this game so they go up to him and start to try to befriend him and in doing so basically tell him that they're utah jazz fans and they're not boston <laughs> fans they're from boston but they love him they think he's the greatest of all time and they just love him. And then to their dismay, Larry Bird walks up, um, whom they presumably love and worship, except for the fact that now that they're pretending to be Utah Jazz fans, then we get the incredible acting chops of Larry Bird confronting these boys and saying that fans like them make him sick because they were, you know, Bird fans when they were good. And then I, now... I they're not <laughs> i think you're really giving that too much uh too much expression uh you're really giving the lines too much emphasis I, I think it's really um, more like you 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 make me sick i can't believe that such fans as you would say such things it is it is a it's a tough watch i gotta be honest yeah larry bird might as well be wearing a sign that just says like just give me my fifty thousand dollar (laughs) check there's like a there's like a 95 percent chance too that there were cue cards in the back that larry bird was reading during that scene 
Like, oh yeah, like, no, I mean it's it's very carefully cut where like you know it's like you know that he wasn't even on set that day that they just like recorded all of his dialogue separately like you know <laughs> like in between him doing something else like you know at a fucking like you know in an airport terminal like you know at like you know in the admiral's club of like or the lounge or whatever else like he just like they found a dark room and we're just showing us some cue cards to like make it yep. happen yeah it was it was so like horrible bad like the only way he could show like less effort is if they like had a chair right there he just walked in and sat down in <laughs> it was so bad so the, this is obviously their worst nightmare that they have to be outed as jazz fans in front of larry bird and being fairweather fans um but the night continues and the boys they are just sucking up sucking off and getting getting lewis got incredibly drunk and they start um, making like the worst cocktail looking thing i've ever seen that thing that's like clearly like six gallons and it's like bright green <laughs> and they're just all it's drinking a, out of a, it. it's actually just ectoplasm left over from the first ghostbusters movie <laughs> that's uh, what it looked like dude i honestly feel like like half of the jokes about drinks was just like stuff that they just came up with like that was like the plot of the movie. It's like, how can we get our like names for drinks that we came up with just into a movie? Oh, yeah. let's just write a whole movie around this. Yeah, it's it's not, it's not what you want. So, it, the night you know obviously gets gets pretty wild, and they all black out and they wake up in Dan Aykroyd's apartment, which is um, decorated like the type of guy who would be having you know a larry bird game worn jersey hung over a seat from the from the boston garden in his home that some that had the bob Cousy things carved into it it's I, the perfect I can, only, I can only imagine the type of things that a guy like this would collect to just be like no no i got a guy that assured me that this was ted williams's jizz sock <laughs> it's that type of dude I mean, for all sure well it can maybe think of is uh there's a joke from king of the hill where uh um Dale Gribble is like trying to order Jack Ruby's hat and then ask what colors it comes in. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, that's pretty much what I see here. Like, Oh, it's the, uh, it's the authentic, you know, game worn jock strap that fucking Ted Williams had during like, you know, the impossible dream season. All right. That's fine. But like, do you, do you have one? And like, I don't know, maybe like a better, a better shade of skid mark. Like let's, you know, like, what do you got? <laughs> So they they wake up in the morning and Lewis Scott is duct taped and laying in the bed and he is. Uh, I mean, been uh, there. Am I right, fellas? That's right. Whom who, whomst among us hasn't? Whomst amongst us? Whom whomstest among among us? Um, no, and- it, it really was amazing too because I don't think they were planning to kidnap him. So who did the duct taping and all that? I don't too? Know. It was like Was this like consensual sort of bondage play between the three? I of think these it guys, might have been. Or- I mean, they I clearly mean, had a good night. And listen, you no woke up in the bed here. with Daniel Stern, so I mean, you know, it's... yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, they, the, wet, uh, the wet bandit strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, "Oh, we have to get rid of this guy real quick. We got to free him or whatever." But before they take pictures with his body, um, which is great, <laughs> and then he, he uh, no assurance that he's a, alive at that point too he might be dead and just like let's take pictures with him yeah let's um, incriminate ourselves further yeah yep it's like if uh yeah blackwater were boston nba fans so um i mean they, are they not honestly probably are it's hard yeah. to say um, oops, oops can tell 
whom's amongst us can't tell. And so they, um, they, he wakes up and they're like, we gotta, we gotta handle this situation. And, uh, Jimmy, Dan Aykroyd pulls out what is the weirdest gun anyone has ever seen to, <laughs> that is a really cute knitted Bernie. I gotta be honest. <laughs> Where did you even get that? <laughs> It was a present. That's adorable. I love it. <laughs> so um, Dan Aykroyd pulls out the most horrific looking like, I don't even know what type of gun it is. It's, he mentions it at some it's point. It's like an Olympic marksman pistol. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I looked it up. I can't remember the name of the, the, the athlete right now, but it was apparently like this very obscure um, Scandinavian athlete who participated <laughs> in like pistol competitions in the Olympics, like during the 70s. Yeah. He mentions that at some point. He like yeah, says like, who it belongs to. Like Skull, Skull Ragnarok or like some fucking <laughs> yeah. bullshit. But, but yeah, no. It's, Volm Viking Florin or fl- something. It's yeah. it's really good. Um, so, so he pulls like, out this know, gun and it's great. It's got like a whole like, you know, like fucking like carved wooden grip on it. And like, yep. it, yeah. So he's, he's holding uh, Lewis Scott up with this gun and we we get we get this uh um you know long situation where mike and jimmy are trying to figure out who's going to who's going to do what and mike is leaving to go figure some things out and jimmy is staying to keep an eye on uh lewis scott and yeah it's and then lewis uses his famed mind games that he's um able to do and he starts to drive the wedge between between these two guys and meanwhile mike's talking to uh the cop friend realizing that he it is officially kidnapping and goes back to the apartments and um it seems like the mind games worked and now Jimmy and Mike are really fighting and things are things to be, things are uh, not looking good for them. It looks like Lewis is going to be getting away here. Lewis Scott was doing a full court press on that uh, mind games too. He's like, you should just take that pistol and kill yourself. I know you think about (laughs) it every birthday, every Christmas, every New Year's Eve. You're so old. All these pictures of other people's achievements. What have you done? What's your claim to fame? You think Larry Bird has a picture of you on his wall with your hand down a toilet, wrangling a turd? He doesn't even know you exist. And you met him. You might as well take that gun and just put it in your mouth and blow your brains out. Go ahead, I know you thought about it. Holidays, your birthday. How about New Year's when you're sitting there all alone with your hand down your pants, playing with your knob and everyone else out there having fun? Go ahead, Jimmy. I mean, also like the weird, like, and like, I don't know. I feel it's like a hallmark of like comedy movies of this era is like some like weird, like transphobia bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Where like, you know, they show like, uh, uh, like Daniel Stern, like, or no, like Dan Aykroyd, like dressed up in like high heels and a fucking mini skirt, like serving Daniel Stern, like pancakes or some shit. Yep. And it gets, yeah. it gets really like off and psychosexual like really fucking quick yep and it's like some real i don't know it's it you can just kind of see like someone working through some issues yeah and it's it's it's, yeah. it's not it's, it's not great 
You know, the it's director really actually got kicked off of Ace Ventura 2 for the back, <laughs> backlash of the Finkel as Einhorn in Ace Ventura 1. Ooh, yeah. I mean, like, it's... It's uh, it's a it's a rough man. spot, man. Like yeah, it's it's, it's not, one of those it's... things that like you watch now and you're like, oh man, I forgot how much like every like you know comedy movie from the '90s just like made a weird thing about cross dressing. Yep, always they just thought it was like the funniest thing or whatever. So, um, you know, the boys end up kind of making up a bit after uh, Lewis Scott's head games nearly makes Dan Aykroyd jump out the window onto the street. And um, they convince themselves that it's their job of this of this Celtics team. They are on the team. And as members of this team, it's their job to kidnap him longer throughout the weekend. So the Celtics win the championship because they've already just they've already kidnapped him, whether it's one day or it's four days. It's a kidnapping charge. So. Um, they're like. With that said, I, I do recommend that no one take their fucking legal advice from a boss. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that's that's just kind of like a general. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but Kate, but Carrie yeah. is, and uh, he's officially telling people to not do that. That's not yeah. sound and that, advice. That, that's not that's not binding legal advice, but that's just a friendly thing. Like you know, just don't ask your nearest Boston cop. Uh, hey, man, if I kidnap somebody, if it's for like. A day or more than a day doesn't make a difference. Like, you know, just not a both. You know, just, it's it's not a good career move. I'll be honest. It's not. I'm just it's, honestly surprised they didn't go out and like try and find like with some sort of whitey bulger guy to like, hey, listen, we have an NBA star locked up. This is probably going to do good for your bookies. Can you just make him disappear for us? Yep. Well, it was yeah. uh, was it the uh, Boston College? Oh yeah, the point shaving scandal with Henry Hill. Yeah, 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 yeah. The point shaving scandal that was like the big like. But I mean, also too, this was at a time when all the whitey shit was kind of just starting to come out because yeah. he, you know, like so it wasn't really as much a common like it wasn't something that was as much common knowledge yet. That was something that would be like in popular culture. But but yeah. But he had already corrupted basketball. So, I mean, you know, you know, yep. little column A, little column B. So, uh, so Lewis uses, like he hears them talking about how this is their plan to get the Celtics another championship. And he says, you know, what kind of loser wants to be an asterisk? Because that's a pretty big asterisk. And they, and they're like, oh, I want to be an asterisk. That's that asterisk would be us. And we want to be, we, we want to be in the books. And so, they, they they issue a challenge and they say, okay, Lewis, I will let you go as long if I can if I cannot turn on the TV, flip through the channels, and see a commercial of you. And so there's this moment where Lewis thinks he's going to get away, um, but you know they prove that he's such a vain loser guy who's just an a hole and um, whoa, is on whoa, all whoa, these whoa, commercials whoa. and he's a huge sellout. That's right. Sorry, apologies. I, I think it's really Oof. funny that they really bank on the marketability of the shooting guard for the Utah Jazz in 1995. <laughs> I know, I know. They made it seem like man. This, I mean, again, they like this was a Michael Jordan stand-in. Like that's the only explanation. So, um, yeah, they'd end up finding him on an Oscar Mayer commercial. So that plan no escape for lewis and then the wife and kids show up you know they thinking uh they think that they're going to make up for a minute and then it they you know clearly he's dad is hiding something but it 
she thinks it's a girl. Turns out it's Lewis Scott who was kidnapped. And um, and then after that, it's just a matter – it's just a rotating um, cast of distractions. Then the landlord shows up and at this point, Lewis is able to escape. And so he escapes while there's uh, – the, the landlord's talking to them and he runs down the stairs. He runs out into the streets and he gets picked up by a cab. The cab driver recognizes who he is, kicks him out of the cab. And this allows them to catch up to him um, and the, the cop friend. To, the to, cop to be clear, uh, in this particular instance, uh, not because he's non-white, but just because he's uh, – Yeah, it's not because he's, he's black. You know, it's because he's at, Lewis Scott. At, at this particular juncture, it could have been either one. So I just yeah, it's not – it wasn't – it's yeah. a fringe benefit of both for Boston. So right. what's funny is like the the way we know it was because he's you know on the jazz because the cab driver rolls up his window and there's a Celtic sticker and I was like, well, does that really could go, absolve could you? Go either way. I mean, if you <laughs> yeah. know, if we're honest, it's like, well, yeah. Hmm. Now that cab yeah. just drove on, think, hey, that guy might have been Lewis Scott. yep so um you know the cop friend also shows up uh you know and he lets everyone go like he gets he gets them all arranged gets gets them all situated and then we hear him making a phone call that's like you know how much money do you think i could make if we uh if i knew that the the celtic was going to win game seven and so obviously we're to presume that he was making a bet so um there's this whole other scene where lewis escapes the truck that they're all in and then he you know takes the gas pump and he puts gas on mike's uh nuts and then like threatens to light him with a lighter uh the lighter doesn't work also the gas was a dollar 20 i don't know if people that that. was so fucking depressing (laughs) i was like oh wow you know i mean yeah thanks joe biden that's right Uh, (laughs) thanks obama and joe biden thanks bill clinton (laughs) <laughs> nafta um and so you know, like then they get in this big argument about who's actually like a hard worker who's actually a loser uh who's actually accomplished their dreams or whatever and uh you know uh, mike and lewis play a game of one-on-one basketball and lewis just gets his uh everything he gets his whole life smashed in and um, which like <laughs> did um did you, i mean you all probably saw was that i think it was scalabrini like yeah. played some oh, fucking amateur like oh yeah, yeah. like a, like a few months ago yeah 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 like not long it ago and it was destroyed like destroyed him and he's like and was, older now <laughs> yeah and it was like one of those things where it's like you know you don't realize like really the extent of difference between you know your yeah. typical like dipshit oh like, yeah player dude and, greg has had those experiences with what was it was it paul Millsap? i can't remember the worst day of my life on a basketball court <laughs> was guarding paul Millsap yeah. at a 24-hour fitness in sugar house <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, like, i mean i saw someone i saw someone say about the olympics recently that like before every olympic event you should just have like some normal dipshit do the event yeah, <laughs> just to set a baseline. Just yeah. to like, just to like show you, so that like you know that way like everyone else at home could be like, oh yeah, I could I could throw a fucking shot put that far, and it's like no, you can't, man. Yeah, yes. there's yeah. no fucking way. Like, give me Let some random Joe from wherever Ohio to go sternum first right into a pommel horse. I, I'd be <laughs> so <laughs> in favor of that. Some, awesome. <laughs> some fucking MAGA dipshit in Iowa who like lives off fried yeah. mayonnaise balls and like. <laughs> gets winded pushing a shopping cart. I just, yeah, let them run Dude, a 500 meter. 
Let them, even if let you them didn't get, have just like let, let them yeah. get into a pool and swim 200 meters or yeah, even do, if you didn't even have like an idiot do it you could even have someone who could do it like at the level that they that they accomplished these things like 60 years ago just to show you how even like the most elite of athletes has just gotten so much bigger but yeah yeah it's you know like just you know yeah. like a weightlifting and like you just prolapse your asshole like you know like any of that <laughs> any of that sort of shit where it's just like you know there's just no fucking way like you know the the actual you know difference in benchmark between and you know a professional athlete and what you can do is like i mean it was like that you know the fucking survey about like the you know white dudes who thought they could beat like you know serena williams in a fucking tennis match oh my so great you know like which is like i gotta say i do give this movie credit for that because they actually do include this scene yeah like and like don't fucking sugarcoat the fact that like daniel stern's character just gets his absolute fucking ass yeah 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 and like it and that is a point that they make where like he's been hanging his like hopes on you know how he he barely missed out on his dream like he didn't make it pro or whatever because he played high school ball in boston in like the 70s or whatever and now here it's 1996 and he still thinks he has it enough to where he can you know take this dude on and he just gets absolutely curb stomps american history just fucking smoked honestly relatable rough yeah (laughs) hundred <laughs> percent. So, um, you know, it, at this point, like, uh, they aren't sure if they're going to go to prison or not for the kidnapping. Lewis Scott leaves and, um, yeah. And th- there's an agreement made, uh, well, he returns to his wife and family and there's an agreement that, um, you know, Lewis won't, won't turn them into the cops if the jazz win and they have to wear jazz gear to the game, to game seven of the NBA finals. So Jimmy and, and Mike show up and they're wearing jazz gear and they're very embarrassed. And then they convince all the fans around them that they are doing reverse psychology and that it's like, oh, no, you know, you know, all, like what we did last game and we lost. We were trying the other things to make it so that the Celtics win, um, except they really want the jazz to win now because they don't want to go to jail. And <laughs> um, then the cop friend shows up and they're like, you didn't bet on the Celtics, did you? And he's like, no, I made 20,000 shirts that say the Celtics won the championship and I was, I'm going to sell them once they win and they'll be worthless if they, if they don't, which is, was, was kind of funny. And then, um, Lewis also gets benched. Yeah. That was actually like a really solid, like that was a really solid (laughs) joke. Like I I actually really like it. I thought that was really, I like that one. Cause similar, it was like, I was like, oh, no, that's going to be like, he's just going to do like, you know, corrupt cop shit. And it's like, oh, no, he that's like, making, uh, he made 20,000 really... shirts. <laughs> and I think yeah. it should be pointed out, too. They're the ugliest shirts I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. They're amazingly terrible. It looks like they're the like... leprechaun from the movie Leprechaun. <laughs> oh, man. It was so or from, funny. Uh, was it fucking Troll 2? <laughs> yep, that's right. Oh, what a great, great movie. That's a Utah classic as well, I believe. So, oh, my God. Um, so uh lewis gets benched um and then at halftime jimmy gets picked to take a half court shot to win a hundred thousand dollars um so he goes out there in his jazz gear and he's like hoping he makes this because they still kind of want the celtics to win and they think the celtics are going to win because uh lewis got benched um also he's he's handed the ball by bob cousy so he's facing like his childhood icons twice in the same movie too it's like jazz 
Ego's gear. The only thing that's yeah. left for like to destroy like Dan Aykroyd's like ego any further is if like if Bill Russell just kicks him square in the balls. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's so good. And um yeah, so he, they're hoping they get this money to pay for their lawyer fees for the impending uh, kidnapping charges they're facing. And he takes this underhanded bowling ass shot from half court to win the money and it goes in. And so they're obviously really hyped. And then Lewis gets put in the game and they start actually rooting for Utah because they really don't want to go to jail. And um, Lurch also gets put in the game, the Eastern European who says he's going to, quote, do some death row shit. Um, I don't know what that means, but uh, that's what he says. I think it means says. hang someone out of a window. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, conduct, conduct a small drive-by shooting that, uh, yeah. you know, is uh, – Later, the subject of controversy for you know the next. Yeah, three but decades. then again, if Lurch is coming from Croatia in like 1995, he might have done some death row shit. Yeah, that that is they. There was an actual uh, civil war taking place in the 90s. So, well, was that like a thing? Even uh, they were saying that about someone in the fuck. I saw people pose about the shit in the fucking playoffs this year. Boyan Bogdanovich. Yeah, where like his fucking brothers. Oh, was oh, it that Boyan? was Nikola Jokic. Oh, was, oh yeah, was it, it was that like his brother showed up on the court and it was Serbia. like, yeah, yeah. And, it, and it was just like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I have I have a general rule of thumb of not to fuck with anyone who survives Slobodan Milosevic. Yeah, yeah, like I remember like when the Jazz that, are did, playing Kings. Does in that the come playoffs. up a lot? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, when in like the 90s, when the Jazz are playing the Kings in the playoffs, I remember like getting like daily updates from like the TNT crew about Vlad, Vladi Divac's brother who was in the Serbian army while we were bombing them. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, uh, oh, you know, this is this is an interesting uh, discourse we're having. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> Lurch gets put in the game and, you know, if the Jazz win, of course these boys don't go to jail and lewis at the very end of the game makes a pass he passes the ball he learned lessons along the way from these two um kidnapping wow. boston b-town yes. boys and he gives adam keefe a concussion yes that is also true he gives adam keefe a concussion but passes the ball for a layup to win the championship and uh you know the the jazz are celebrating for some reason our two heroes in this movie are able to run directly onto the court as well to celebrate with the jazz in their jazz jerseys and the cop walks onto the court their friend ostensibly and he's pissed because the celtics lost and he you know it they aren't sure if uh, if Lewis actually is going to be friends or be nice to them. And the cop says, gentlemen, uh, you know, do you do you uh, Lewis, do you know these guys? And he says, yeah, they're my friends. And then we <laughs> then they all celebrate together happily ever uh, after. Officer, these men did not conduct a first degree felony against me. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. And then. And then Dan Aykroyd says an extremely baffling line. And he says, sorry about the abduction, but I've never done that to another guy. Well, I mean, like this whole like this whole third of the movie has like also like like once again, you know, like the if there's anything that like the weird transphobia these like 90s comedy movies have, it's also like a lot of like weird prison rape jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just just gets really 
fucking uncomfortable and like really fucking cringy for yeah, like, or just like this movie. Just yeah, like, or just yeah. like weird, cre- creepy, like rape jokes in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah just like the whole like even like the psychosexual thing with like fucking Damon Wayne's character where he's like, you know, like you know talking all this shit to Dan Aykroyd's character, whatever else. Like it just gets really fucking. I don't know. It's dark. Putting. Yeah. There was a there was a point in the movie where Dan Aykroyd made some sort of joke about going to jail and like becoming some big guy's girlfriend. Well, oh, like repeatedly. Yeah, he makes like, that, that joke theme. repeatedly. Like, yeah, like it's through got the last that, third of the movie. Yeah, there's also that like scene too where they're in the bathroom at like halftime too. It's like, what are you worried about? Like, <sighs> because if you lose, we're going to jail. And he yells it out, and everyone in the bathroom just looks at him like, ooh. Yeah, as, as if like every like Boston fan and like the, the Boston Garden hasn't been in like the drunk tank at least once after a Celtics game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Then you know, uh, <laughs> the movie ends with them doing another kidnapping, but this time they're doing it to Deion Sanders. Go instead. Pats. Yes. So to protect the New England Patriots, presumably. Which like so, is super weird because it's not like they played in the same division. Like was Deion Sanders a big thorn in the side for the New England was, Patriots? It was when the Cowboys were big. So it's like, let's just try and sure. like, make a joke about the Cowboys being really good yeah. and see if we can destroy the Cowboys. And they actually got Deion Sanders. So uh, got but him in like, the movie. But big. once again, like really, weirdly rapey where they just like show like both of them like standing over Deion Sanders with weird grins and then like taking yeah, yeah. he's like what are you guys gonna do to me yeah <laughs> it was, like it was it was it's and the funny thing it, is it, like the, it's I a think Judd the Apatow pa- joint let just let's just make that clear <laughs> this is the a funny 90s thing is, Judd I, Apatow joint I think the Pats made the Super Bowl that year so they should have just kidnapped Brett Favre instead yeah, yeah. I mean they did yeah because yeah, that was uh that was the the Green Bay year yeah yeah yeah, because I remember because was that, that Tessa like Verde was a quarterback. <sighs> Fuck, I don't remember. Okay, you know, you know what's interesting is that when uh, did Judd Apatow write? Um, let's see. I felt like even this felt like Dan Aykroydy influence on a lot of the writing. Which, oh, I'm sure he did because I mean Dan Aykroyd loves to ad lib and also like Dan Aykroyd loves to like give production notes on anything he's on because he loves to be the influence on everything. Yeah, I I want to look up like what other stuff John or uh, Judd Apatow was doing at the time. I mean, well, like he like, was doing he was doing Cable Guy. Like oh, that yeah. came out. That also came Cable out guy. this year. Yeah, you're right. Um, Which was also and, very dark and also kind of so, strange. But but he did he did Freaks and Geeks soon after, right? Like, yeah, that was like 2000, 2001 or so. Started in, in 1999, and that show was um a lot better, <laughs> and also like a lot more. Uh, it tackled social issues in a lot more of a complex way that was less like Haha, rape jokes so I, I think like freaks and geeks worked a whole lot better because it kind of allowed judd apatow to get the people he wanted into a movie did he write for or did he just pre- you know he did write yeah yeah so, yeah i think so too um because like and, i don't think he yeah. wanted like daniel stern or like dan Aykroyd in the role just because like it mm, judd apatow in like his mid-20s probably doesn't seem like the ability to write for like a mid 40s boston guy in 1995 yeah and like with that snl 
type humor and all that at that at that time bleeding in is just going to be inevitable with those guys yeah. so I am glad about one thing with this movie is that it doesn't have like the bad habit of every Judd Apatow movie being like two and a half hours long and having yeah. a full like 45 minutes that's completely unnecessary. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. This movie felt long, a little long to me. Just yeah. the middle, the middle part, like all the uh, like just like the series of hijinks they were just getting into while uh well, Lewis Scott was just like handcuffed or whatever. Did, did we? Did we? Did we? Uh, did we need an extended scene where like Lewis Scott and Jimmy were playing NBA Jam inside of the Ed's apartment, just saying, "Do I know how you're gay?" <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, that's right. Honestly, this whole movie could have been an SNL sketch. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, I mean, like that. I mean, like the whole thing. Like even like the. Like, even as much as you say is like kind of like for me, like it doesn't even really come across as like a fucking Boston movie, really. Right. Like the whole thing just kind of feels like weird scene dressing. Like they just kind of like, I mean, it's as much a Boston movie as like, you know, you're eating in a hometown tavern when you go to fucking Chili's. Yeah. Like they just kind of like <laughs> my hometown bought, spot, man. You know, they bought the fucking set dressing and then just kind of like, you know, like bought a couple stars and just like put everyone the fucking movie. Like it just like. The whole thing is so weirdly fake in like a way that's like even kind of hard to articulate. Yeah, it just and I think you'll see it even just in like like I don't think anyone. I mean, Lord knows everyone from you know this area loves to fucking toot their own horn as much as they possibly fucking can, but like Lord knows that there's no one who like pays any attention to this movie. Right. 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 Yeah, and that, that that differs a lot from, like, movies that are, like, very clearly set in Utah. Like, the character of Salt Lake or whatever, be kind of it, like, becomes a character in the movie, and they make a very definitive point to make it true. At least it, what they view is make it very have, – have actually defining characteristics throughout the movie. But, yeah, the Boston aspect of this feels very – sideshow to the whole thing it, it, like the whole thing honestly could have been filmed at like a soundstage and you at universal like, well, I, like i have even, no idea well and even like the uh like the um all the like almost all the boston garden scenes were filmed at like on like a set that was built to right. look like the garden yeah and yeah. Then it the was probably end, yeah it was probably filmed at like the anaheim pond or something like that yeah. well yeah and then like the very end of the movie they have like the the boston garden getting torn down but it like hadn't actually happened yet, so they just like faked it. <laughs> yeah, what? what, what which was that's fucking why I weird. thought it actually got torn down. <laughs> yeah, like it, it did eventually, but like not yeah, for a yeah, couple yeah. years after. And like the the thing that really hits me is, uh, you know, like the you know, uh, like terrible good fucking movie, like you know, the Boondock Saints got filmed three years after this, and like nice. that is like fuck that makes know, me feel old. Like has, <laughs> I mean, also that. Uh, but you know, I mean, like that has like you know so many fewer like you know like marquee stars in it, yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. know, like such lower production values, and was like you know such a bigger fucking deal. Like in retrospect, it's just weird. I don't know. Yep. Well, boys, 
that's the end of the movie. What I mean is, are there? Do we guys have any more uh, closing thoughts we want to get out here? Any any scathing hot Boston takes that need to be released into the wild? I got a couple takes. Uh, first off, it's Let's good go. to see the uh, Jazz win the championship because I'm sure as shit never going to see that in my real lifetime. Nope. <laughs> yep. Also, um, just a, a few observations about the Jazz. It feels like Christopher McDonald was like the amalgamation of every jazz coach of all time yeah he was perfect like he had a few blow-ups at um at the hecklers at jimmy and mike where he just like yelled at him to shut up <laughs> like in a really <laughs> funny way the, man, like, like a, a, the sweater like, vest even i felt was like really like on point as far as like yeah and he was also like he the, uh christopher mcdonald whenever movie he's in he's always wearing like really nice sweater vests uh or like like long sleeve sweaters with like nice like a V sweater V or something like that. He had a really nice jazz one in this um, in SLC Punk. I believe he was wearing one in multiple scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's he's a sweater guy. But the way he yelled "shut up" at them was so funny. It made me. <laughs> <laughs> Chris McDonald's great. I really like him. He really yeah, that was, was a like, very Jerry Sloan esque sort of shut up. Yeah, yeah. Like he had the perfect Jerry Sloan anger mixed in with like the the Quinn Snyder waspy cocaine energy. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> allegedly. I love it. Alle- allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Um it was great. I yeah, I I loved I love the Chris anytime he shows up in something I'm 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 happy about it. But yeah, I think he represents the Utah energy really well. I, I I'd like to see. I don't know if he's in more Utah related material, but I that's something I'm No, right be. now he's on Ballers pretending to be Jerry Jones. Oh, is he really? Oh, yeah. yes. oh, I love that for him. Oh man. Oh damn. Uh, I mean he's also got one of those like he's got one of those work histories that he's just been in like a handful of movies and then a couple episodes of everything you've ever watched through your entire fucking life yeah <laughs> he's been on svu at least a dozen times he he was he's been on an he was on an episode of night rider oh jesus <laughs> like i'm just like i don't i don't know you, if you guys are familiar with the uh like internet show called R- R- real bros of simi valley but he's also on that show which is really funny he it's was a on, jimmy tatro joint he was on three episodes of matlock he, was he really he was on an episode he was on an episode of the twilight zone uh an episode of star trek the next generation uh, i remember I him it. as the uh racist flight instructor from the tuskegee airmen <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh ho- home improvement he was an episode of home improvement uh just like the man has done a lot of things oh like, man i forgot he was guys. in requiem for a dream and he was great in it yes he was I was. I wanted to take. I wanted to end my life, and I sat on that bench, and I just let it pour out of me until a little girl walked up to me. She said, "Mister, please don't cry." I hadn't even realized I was crying. That little girl saved me. That little girl came up to me and said, "Mister, please don't cry," and she walked away. And in her eyes, for that brief instant, I saw everything to live for. In her eyes was all the hope and all the dreams and all the passion and everything I was missing. I was missing everything. I stopped right there. For 30 days, I changed my life so simply. And so I said, for 30 days, I'm going to eat right. I am going to pick up my spirits. And I am going to try. I am not going to give up. And I'll tell you what happened. 30 days, I lost five pounds. That's not much, Granny.
started, that is not much. But that five pounds started to make me feel a little bit better. It's like the infomercial, like, pitch yeah, man. Like, game, oh, game fuck, show host. Was he? Shit, I haven't seen that. Sh- I haven't seen that for fucking ever. Yeah, the juice maker guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh man, let's remember it. some guys. King, I love remembering guys. He's been some bangers. Let's just like just switch our podcast format to just appreciating Christopher McDonald. I mean, I'm just saying, like Law and Order, Criminal Intent. He was in a couple episodes. He was in an episode of Sopranos. Like what episode of Sopranos was he in? Uh. I don't think I've gotten Stage that far. Five? I'm, I'm rewatching the all of the the entire series. Right See, now. Season six, episode fourteen. No, I'm on season four. Well, that's where you fucked up. I mean, he it's was hard. In I, the, can't, uh, I can't just knock out a season a day, man. He was I'm in the made for it. TV uh, sequel to Midnight Run. Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> and w- then the yeah, second w- sequel to Midnight Run, Midnight Run for Your Life. Stage five. What, yeah, no, he was the, he was an episode of SVU in 2017. So you know he's he's knocked that one out. I'm trying to stage five. Uh, that's the episode of Sopranos. I'm just trying to yeah. see. Oh, he's talking to Christopher about something. I have no idea. He, he was played Joe DiMaggio in the Empire? box is burning. Yeah, they said Dukes of Hazards the beginning. <laughs> he played Boss Hog. This this is a renaissance man. I'm just saying he's done a lot of things. And like, I think, you know, he needs to be recognized. I know. Honestly, justice for Christopher McDonald. We're we're making him a way like much more of a influential actor moving forward. I think I think it's time to really do give give him the legacy he deserves. We stand contribute to the Patreon. We'll get him on the cameo. He hasn't done anything like fucked up, has he? I hope he, he I got hope a DUI where he was like, "Ask the cops, like, don't you know who I am? I'm Shooter McGavin." <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, he did that. Okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. He fucking rules! I love this guy so much. That's pretty funny. I'm I hope he lie. gave him the Shooter McGavin fingers <laughs> while he's doing his DUI test. Dude, he was. Wait, did we already mention that he was his, in? He's trying to touch his nose, and it's just the Shooter McGavin fingers. Did Did we mention that he did voice work in the Iron Giant? <laughs> no, shit. I don't think we did. Yeah, yeah that that's wow. true. Um, if I was that cop, I would have probably let him go. I was like, okay, sir, if you can just say I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast, we'll let you go. <laughs> oh, I forgot he was in the perfect storm, too. Oh, that's right. He was. What yeah. hasn't he been in? Man, he's in everything. He's great. Yeah. I mean, so I think really if if we have anything out of this and, you know, I, you know, about, uh, <laughs> About this terrible fucking movie and Celtic Pride, it's yeah. really just watch more Christopher McDonald properties. I think so. I think that's yeah. a really uh, I think a good lesson to take out of this. That's what we're gonna walk away from this with. It's just you know, like if there's a movie. Like I want everyone to go on Prime. I want everyone to go on Netflix. I want everyone to go on like you know any available streaming service and just search out Christopher McDonald like properties. Yeah, you know, whether it's whether it's an episode, like don't bother watching the rest of the series. You if know, you haven't just, watched The Sopranos, skip right to season six, episode five. I think that's a perfect place to start and finish. Yeah, I mean, um, like you know, I mean, all I'm saying is that you know, if it's if Chris McDonald is not in the episode, it's not shit. Uh, you know, and just like search him out. 
Yep, 100%. Boys, it's been a pleasure. Carrie, thank you again for joining us. I think we, uh, I like doing these movie episodes with you. I think we should do another at some point. We just need to find another uh, Utah slash Massachusetts crossover. That's yeah, a, I mean, it, it can't be that hard. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of Mitt Romney content out there that we could analyze together. I'm going to go swallow a pistol. I'll, uh, I'll be right back. Perfect. Stay tuned Perfect. to the next episode where we review the life and times of Danny Ainge. Oh, <laughs> boy. I, I can't think about that because he will be the next GM of the Utah Jazz here. Oh, it's, in, it's in absolutely uh, calling that. Let's, let's, it's going to happen. Mm. Dennis Lindsay is going to get fired or he's going to leave on his own he's terms go or whatever. Houston. And. Yep, and uh, Danny Ainge will be the GM. I can't wait to trade Donovan Mitchell for like a first round and a third round from like, I don't know. I, I guess some team will figure out that they can trade for a third round pick despite the fact that the NBA doesn't have those anymore. But it'll be funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to have so many assets. <laughs> You're right, boys. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we will see everyone next week. Bye. Yeah.